maybe you can start us off just by introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about what you do. My name is Zach Arias, and I'm an editorial and commercial photographer based out of Atlanta, Georgia, in the U.S. And I've been pursuing photography now for, I'd say, like really going after it for about 20 years. Um, I went to school for photography. I failed out of the traditional four-year university uh, system and um, kind of went on my you know, quarter life crisis of what am I doing with my life Mm -hmm. and came back to the only thing that I ever really found interest in was photography. I always wanted to do something artistic or, um, creative, but I can't play music. I can't draw. I can't sculpt. Um, but I liked taking pictures. Um, so it seemed like some, some sort of interesting outlet for creativity and I ended up going to a two-year um, like trade school that had a photography program. And um, that kind of set the foundation for me. And I've been hacking in the weeds ever since. It's been a, it's been a roller coaster of a ride of, um, of, you know, failing and finding some success. And I'm, I'm still nowhere where I want to be or need to be in this field but I'm still doing it after 20 years. So it's all I know how to do now. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, 20 years at anything is sort of rare these days. I feel like, especially a tougher to make it kind of artistic field. Yeah. Um, At this point, like what, what did people come to you for? Like what, what are you shooting mostly? Would you say? Uh, The vast majority of my work is based on some sort of portraiture. Um, typically. So I get assignments of, Hey, we're doing a story about this person. We need a portrait of them for the story. Or, um, we're doing a promotional campaign based around this television show and we need pictures of the talent, um, either in studio or on location, depending on the needs of the client. Sometimes it's both. Sometimes I'll start a session in studio and then we go to a location. Um, and sometimes I go to a location and basically set up a studio at the location. Um, so it's, it's primarily, um, portrait and people based. And I do a little bit of a a little bit of more of like journalistic things. I, when I decided I was going to be a professional photographer, I really wanted to be a photojournalist. That was really what I was like heading for, but I got married a little too early and kids came along unexpectedly and it was either, you know, go and be poor being a photojournalist or try to make some money in the commercial world. And as much as I like following stories and, and things like that, I also like working with lighting and being in studio environments. So I kind of ended up going the commercial route um, but I still get a few assignments a year that are more journalistic in nature. Um, and a very small percentage of my work is product based. I have a, a few clients that come to me for product work. Um, so it's, it's not anything I really advertise. It's just, they happen through referrals or word of mouth or things like that for the product stuff. But primarily I'm a people person. That's what I do. And all of my personal work is 
is centered around portraiture. Cool. And when people, when people phone you or email you or whatever they do these days, what do you think it is about your portraiture that makes them think of you for this? Um, I think, I, I guess it's, um, my work tends to be pretty simple. Um, and, um, I connect well with my subjects no matter who it is. Um, so you can send me out to photograph a really quiet, shy, introverted singer songwriter or, um, or the CEO of a company. Uh, I tend to, to be able to relate to people and, and I give good direction. Um, that's, one of the big things I've learned in my life is like how to direct nervous people in front of a camera. And, um, but it's, but my work's pretty clean. So I I don't do like super heavy retouching and massively complex lighting scenarios. Um, I work quickly. Um, most of my clients come to me because I have a reputation of, I can get in, get the shot and get out quickly. Um, I won't piss off the subject. Um, the client likes working with me no matter what sort of, you know, challenge they throw at me while on set, I can keep a level head and I don't get upset and I keep a smile on my face and keep everything running. Um, then I want to collapse at the end of the shoot because it was madness, but, but I can keep it together on set. So I think that's what, um, keeps my clients coming back to me. Nice. Nice. And you're in Atlanta, Georgia Mm -hmm. with, is of course a big city, but it's not like New York or LA. Have you ever been like tempted to move to one of those like super centers of this kind of thing or you find it's no problem? Yeah. Um, I mean for, for like, I set this goal about 14 years ago when I was coming back to photography, my, my life fell apart at one point. Um, and I had to walk away from photography for a few years and, and, um, I got a chance to come back to photography, second shooting weddings for a friend of mine here in Atlanta. Uh, but I always knew I wanted to kind of go the editorial, um, and higher end commercial route. And so I took a cover of Rolling Stone magazine and taped it to my wall. And I said, I want to shoot the cover of Rolling Stone. Uh, Mark Seliger is a, um, it's always been a huge influence in my life and, and Seliger has shot over a hundred Rolling Stone covers in his career. And I was like, I want to do that one day. Um, and to be honest with you, I think living in Atlanta probably will kind of keep me from that goal to some respects. I mean, there are several very successful photographers who don't live in these, you know, um, hubs, of entertainment and creativity and publications. Um, and, and they've been able to make that work for them, but my kids come first and, uh, there's no way that I could live in New York, um, and be able to, you know, have the life that I want for my kids. Um, I'd either be two hours out of the city and having to go in every day or, um, you know, live in a shoebox. So for me right now, um, my kids are important. 
I have a nine, a 13 year old and a 19 year old. My, my 19 year old's still out of the house, but so I figure I have about 10 years left here in Atlanta. And then as soon as my kids are on solid ground with their own lives, then I, I may move. Um, but it's a good city to work out of. We have a, like one of the best airports in the world. Um, I can be anywhere in the world or anywhere in the country. Uh, and it's 20 minutes from my door. So it's a, it's a great hub. Um, I'd say that close to 80% of my work is not in Atlanta. So I've, I end up flying around the U S a lot for work. And, um, so it's a good hub to be out of. Um, it's a good city. People are great. Cost of living's not too bad, but I would love to try the New York thing at some point. I don't think I could do LA though. Yeah, I'm with you there. I mean, I'm a West Coast girl. I'm in Vancouver, but I get, I understand. <laughs> oh, Vancouver's so beautiful. I love that city. It's a pretty good spot. Yeah. Um, I've never been to Georgia, although I will say I have definitely passed through that airport a number of times. <laughs> well, you know, they say when Jesus comes back, he's going to have to come through Atlanta. <laughs> I like how you suddenly had a Georgian accent when you said that. Oh, hell yeah. I can, I can lay it on thick. I've been here since I was three years old, girl. Oh my god, I love it. <laughs> you know, if you were to shoot a Rolling Stone cover, which I believe you will, I feel maybe someone, just the right person, will hear this wish of yours. Um, what band would be the ideal, like, what would be the dream phone call? Like, Zach, we're going to have you shoot this cover for X. Who would it be? Um, right now, probably top of my list of, of people I would love to photograph uh, would either be Jack White or Willie Nelson. I just saw Jack White a week ago. No. Yes. yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, Jack White kind of changed a little bit of my direction in my photography. Um, I photographed a music festival where the White Stripes were performing. And I kind of liked the White Stripes music. I was like, yeah, you know, they're pretty good. Yeah, I kind of dig them. But my friend Mark, who I was shooting weddings with, like, loves the white stripes like has white stripes memorabilia and collectibles and stuff like that loves the white stripes and i was like i've got to get a really great picture of jack uh to print for mark i gotta i gotta get that tonight and you get three songs you get the first three songs in the pit and then they kick you out so i had three songs to get a great picture and when jack white took that stage i shot the first two songs and then i just fell to the back of the pit and i just watched him for the third Mm-hmm. And and I said, what whatever he has for his music, I want for my photography. Like what whatever that is, I I need that for me. It was like Jack White was fighting for his soul when he was on stage, and yeah. I just stood in awe. And that was I don't know shit twelve years ago 13 years ago and i've that's still in my mind of like i'm still trying to find how can i relate that to my work and um yeah anyways it's going off on a different path love it i like lay some jack white rock blues riffs underneath your explanation of that moment awesome (laughs) i'm not that technically savvy but i wish i could because i love that i totally know what you mean i hope that most of the people who are listening to that know jack white and they'll they'll get it and then your other one was willie nelson willie nelson yeah just i mean 
Uh, I grew up listening to Willie Nelson because my dad was a country fan and I really didn't appreciate country until like old country until later in life. Um, and now I, I put on some Willie Nelson and, um, Merle Haggard and, and, uh, Johnny Cash. And it makes me think of my dad and Johnny Cash used to be at the top of my list of people I wanted to photograph, uh, rest in peace. But, um, yeah. And so you mentioned you and your friend Mark uh, used to shoot some weddings. I feel like I just need to ask you a little bit about that because sure. a lot of people, I mean, at, at this conference, a lot of the attendees are wedding photographers. So I'm always interested when non-wedding photographers have like forayed into weddings. Like, how was that experience for you? Like, did you, it, it, it is people-based. Like, did you like it? Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a funny kind of thing. Um, when I was trying to make it, on my own as a photographer, like I was an assistant after school. So I was assisting photographers and carrying gear and loading film for other people. And I worked as a studio manager for a while in a commercial studio. And, um, I never wanted to do, um, weddings or family portraits. I looked at that as kind of the low hanging fruit, um, kind of photography that, I, I wanted to quote, go do real photography. Um, and, and, and only 1% of my defense, this was, um, early nineties, um, mid nineties, uh, where wedding photography was kind of pretty much a rubber stamp sort of genre. Um, and so I was trying to do quote, real photography. And then, like I said, my life fell apart. My marriage fell apart. Um, and I ended up having to sell all my gear just to pay bills and fix my car and keep my kids fed. And, um, I got a job at Kinko's, um, and, um, was just doing an hourly job and hated my life. Um, but it's all I knew how to do. And my friend Mark was starting to shoot weddings and he was getting really busy and he's like, I need a second photographer. I need someone I can trust. You know, would you be willing to shoot with me? And this was, uh, I, this was October of 2003, October okay. 2003. And I was like, well, I don't have any cameras. I don't have any gear. All I have is like an old Vivitar 285 flash. That's all I have left. Um, and I, I do it, but I don't have any gear. So, um, he's like, let me see if I can get a couple more weddings booked. I'll get some deposits in, um, and I'll get you set up with something. So he bought me a Nikon D 100 and, um, he had, you know, lenses and, and, um, and all the Nikon gear for, for his rig, uh, bought me a Nikon D 100 and, uh, we shot a wedding on a Friday night. Um, in the beginning of October of 2003 and I went into Kinko's the next week and put my notice in, um, it, it, it felt like I'd been underwater for a few years and someone grabbed my collar, pulled me up out of the water and let me breathe again. Um, I absolutely loved it. Um, and how I was able to restart my career was second shooting weddings and shooting family portraits. Um, so the very two things that I never wanted to do and looked down upon were the very things that helped me become a photographer again. 
Um, so I now look at wedding photography. So I shot weddings for, uh, I guess about eight years with Mark and we did 30 something weddings a year. Um, and I look at wedding photography as probably outside of war photography, like conflict photography. I think wedding photography is, you know, one of the most difficult, um, jobs of our, of our industry. Um, it's one of the most difficult genres to do it well. And, um, I have so much respect for it now because I was in those trenches for eight years. Yeah, it is like, it is like war. I'm a, I'm a wedding planner. So yeah, I wouldn't say it's like war, but I'm just saying the like the difficulty of it. Um, you know, the, the amount of expectations on you, um, you know, if I'm doing a, a big commercial shoot and it's a 10 or 12 hour day, I may actually only be taking photographs for an hour or two of that day. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of sitting around and waiting and, you know, styling and hair and makeup and, and you're not taking pictures of all of that, you know. And, but as a wedding photographer, you walk in the door at 7.30 in the morning and you're on until midnight and you've got to document all of it and you don't really get to take a break. Um, it's a demanding, crazy job. Yeah. Just, just this weekend, uh, at an event, I was sitting like having food finally later in the night and the rest of the vendors working on the event were eating. And I looked over at this one untouched plate and I was like, wait, whose is that? Oh yeah. Of course it's the photographer. She's off doing She'll have her cold plate of food in an hour, probably. Yep. Yep. Grandma caught her and said, could you come take pictures of my grandkids on the dance floor? Uh, I already have 300 pictures of your grandkids on the dance floor, but absolutely, ma'am. I'll be right there. I can eat later. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, You mentioned that that you do most or a, a majority of your shots in other cities. What's one of the coolest places that you've traveled for work? Um, coolest places I travel for work. Well, like cool is up to you. Like what was one of your favorite places? Um, I, I end up in LA a good bit and depending on where you are in LA is dictates your um, experience. And, and if you're going to have a good time or not a good time. Um, whereas opposed to somewhere like New York, where I love New York's one of my favorite cities. Um, I, um, you can kind of be anywhere in New York. I can be anywhere in New York and, and enjoy myself. Um, so I, I go to LA. Um, it's kind of one of my favorite places to do. I'm, I'm, I'm very big about, um, like if I have, uh, if I have a shoot off in the suburbs somewhere and an early morning call time, I'm going to get just some holiday and express hotel near location. But for the next day when I'm flying out, I get something close to the airport and I found this, um, really cool little bed and breakfast in Venice beach. It's like half a block off the beach. And, um, it, it's like, a it's almost like a spa day. Um, for me after a shoot. So I finish up my shoot whenever I'm around LA. I book myself at that bed and breakfast and I walk out on the pier. I watch the sunset if I can get there in time for the sunset. Then I hit this little Italian restaurant. 
where I've been enough that they remember me and sit there and have a few glasses of wine. And then in the morning, I'm like 15 minutes to the airport and I'm out. Um, so that's one of my, like, if any time I get a job in LA, I, I like, yes. All right. I get to go to my bed and breakfast. I know that sounds really weird and pretentious, but, um, most of the time I'm staying in holiday Inn expresses like out next to an Applebee's that's, and I just did a job in Mississippi that was, the job was great. The people were fantastic, but I mean, just, I could not wait to get out of there. <laughs> that's fair. And I, I feel like I know that you've, you've done speaking and sort of educating many times before. Is that yep. right? Yep. So when it comes to way up North, um, are you at all nervous about giving a presentation or is this just like second nature easy? Uh, I, I'm not nervous at all. Like just, um, I, I, um, I've done this enough and I enjoy speaking to photographers because, um, I always imagine myself, um, sitting in the audience at, at, you know, some sort of pivotal or difficult time in my life. Um, I remember as I was coming up in this industry and, and as things were unraveling and as, as things were kind of falling apart, um, I would seek out sort of advice or listen to, you know, photographers with several years of experience under their belt. And, and it was always, you know, there's, there's always this kind of fake it till you make it, let everyone know you're doing great. Um, I, I couldn't really ever find anyone to just be honest with me of like, yeah, shit gets hard, man. And you want to give up and you want to put the cameras away and sell them and never take another picture again. And, and, um, you know, finances get tight and you don't know how you're going to pay your bills and, and, you know, you're fighting with your spouse and like, no one would share those kind of experiences with me. And when I had the opportunity to start speaking or if anyone would listen to me, um, I typically kind of weave that those parts of my life in there to let people know that, you know, if you're struggling right now, like you're not alone. Um, it's okay. It's part of the process. It's almost to be expected. So you just, you got to barrel through this right now. Um, I know it's difficult, but it sucks, but it's going to be okay. So yeah, I, en I enjoy it. Um, I enjoy speaking. I enjoy teaching and, and helping photographers um, get over hurdles that I myself have had to get over and still con continue to struggle with. Um, so it also helps me too. I've learned so much by teaching. Um, and when I get to share my stories, um, I get to hear other people's stories. And so it helps me know that I'm not alone as well. Yeah. You're definitely not alone, Jack White fan. <laughs> <laughs> no, that sounds great. Um, I mean, I was going to kind of say, like, what are you going to talk about? But I feel like you kind of you gave us some flavor there of, of what to expect. Was, yeah. it, was it like a hard thing to decide what to talk about at this one? Or do you kind of you, you just kind of know, know the thing that you do? Um, I, I like to um, I like to find out what whenever I'm doing an event like this, uh, I like to find out what, you know, the organizers are looking for. 
um, I'm doing an event next week and, you know, so it's like, you know, what do you guys, you know, what would you like? Um, sometimes it's a talk and sometimes it's like a, what I call dance monkey, like a demo, like show us how to do stuff with lighting or, um, so next week is a, a demo. So I'll be okay. doing, you know, an hour and a half presentation on, on different lighting, uh, scenarios and things like that. Um, and so just, um, you know, speaking with Cole and others with way up North, it's like, all right, what do you think in, what would you like? And, you know, where, where can I fit in, um, with all the other amazing people that are coming? Um, so we kind of talked about that and, and, uh, I don't really have canned speeches. Like you can choose package A or package B. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I'm going to be talking about, uh, my personal work. Um, I'm going to be talking about, uh, struggling with depression and anxiety and really kind of what I sort of was just touching on of like, I just got to a point where I was just ready to quit. Um, but the problem is, is that I'm 45 years old. I still have two kids in my house. Um, I, I don't know what to do outside of photography. Like if I had to go get a job today, I, I, I'd go to Starbucks and fill out an application and be a barista. I've done that before. Um, I'd go to a temp service and get a warehouse job for eight bucks an hour. Um, I, I don't, I don't know how to do anything besides be a photographer. So I'm, I'm almost kind of stuck. Um, but I got into a really tough mental space, um, about three years ago. It's kind of cyclical for me. I can expect it. Um, but that was a really dark spot. And I just didn't give two shits about photography anymore. I was done. And I knew I had to get out of that. So I'll be kind of talking and walking through my work and from my professional work to my personal work of how I'm still walking through this process. And, but what's helping me and what's getting me going again and what gets me excited again and what, what kind of keeps the storm clouds at bay kind of thing. So that's what I'll be talking about it in uh, Cologne. 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 Ich bin Auslander und sprechen Sie nicht gut Deutsch. Whoa. Not just a Georgian, ladies and gentlemen. Nein. Das Bier ist da. Amazing. You're freaking me out a bit because I just watched um, Band of Brothers. Have you uh -huh. watched that? Uh, it's been a long time since I've seen Band of Brothers, yeah. I feel like as soon as I hear German, I feel anxiety in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> no, Germans are wonderful. Um, yeah. I've never, I've never been to Cologne either, so I'm excited for that. Are you, do you get to stay there much? or, or uh, No, I, I do get... Um, I do get maybe an extra day or two at the front end of my trip because, because airlines are so weird. Um, so I fly Delta primarily cause their hub, their headquarters is here in Atlanta and they, they fly everywhere in the world. Yeah. Um, from here. Um, so they have a, a flight to Dusseldorf, which is like a 30 or 40 minute train ride from Cologne. Um, yeah. And that flight, like almost two months out from booking it or from the event when I was booking the flight was like four something thousand dollars US. Wow. But I could fly to Amsterdam for like 1500 bucks. Yeah, that sounds more right. 
Um, but the dates I needed to fly again, because I have kids and I, I can't like take a whole lot of time off for myself on these things. Um, the dates I wanted to fly, like fly in the day before I was needed, um, stay a few days in Cologne, fly back. Those were still like two, $2,800 or something. But if I flew two days earlier than that, like it suddenly saved well over a thousand dollars. And I'm not the kind of person who goes to event organizers and saying, well, I require that I fly on these dates to this city. So that's going to mean you have to cough up four grand because while these events are amazing and awesome, like I've seen the behind the scenes of these um, so many times that I realized that when it's all said and done, they're not really like massive money makers for anyone. Um, And so, you know, you got to help everybody out and not demand $4,000 airplane tickets. Well, that's very nice of you. Thank you. Yeah. But (laughs) that means I think it's a mystery that we'll probably never in our lifetime know the answer to of why a flight is one price on a Wednesday and another price on a Thursday and a totally different price on a Friday. Right. I've tried to read articles about it. Like, um, and then I have, I have a friend here in Atlanta who just got a round trip, um, direct flight Atlanta to Hong Kong, which like Hong Kong is one of my top three favorite cities in the world, but Atlanta to Hong Kong round trip, um, direct for $408. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, I just, I just flew to Calgary for more than that. And that's like a 45 minute flight. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. I'm paying 400 bucks to fly to Phoenix next week. That's like amazing. Phoenix fucking Arizona, like $400. And he went to Hong Kong for $400. That's so yes, we should get that guy booking the flights for way up North. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> He's got the touch. Um, okay, cool. Well, I will let you get back to uh, your your day, your kids, and, and your dog, and probably some work. But thank you so much for taking some time this morning to chat with us. Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks.